0: Second week in this series uh, called Asking for a Friend. But before I forget, i got to celebrate this, guys. Um, If we're not careful, we let a lot of stuff go by without celebrating it. I want to celebrate this because this is a huge focus for our church here at Eastgate. We want to reach our community, and we want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know this? That between Easter weekend and last Monday when we did the celebration of life service for Francis, listen now, we saw 14 people give their lives to Jesus at the service for Francis. That's amazing. Yeah. If you take that and you add it to what God did Easter Sunday, we saw 35 people make decisions for Jesus in an eight day period. Praise God for that. Now that's worth celebrating. That's worth celebrating. 35 people that cross from death to life in Christ Jesus and that's what we are all about here at this church. So excited about that. Second week of this series, asking for a friend, and we've been asking you guys, you know, for the last several weeks to turn in questions that you might have, or turn in a topic that you wanted to hear a message on, and uh, and you guys have not disappointed. We're seeing a lot of great stuff come in, and I want to encourage you to continue to do that. In fact, don't feel guilty about pulling out your phones right now at the beginning of the message. And You guys at home, the info should be coming up on your screen again for slido.com, Uh hop online, go to that website, and put in that uh, number code and submit your question or submit a topic that you would like to be, Did you like to hear a message on that maybe doesn't get touched on in church that much here lately. And what we want to do is make sure that we're equipping you where you are in life, answering the questions that you have. Because listen, it's one thing to come to church and hear a message and God will bless you, but What we want to do is speak specifically to where you are and what you're dealing with, what you're walking through, and what you want to, uh, questions that you want to have answered. Make sure that we're equipping you on the level that's going to set you up for success in your walk with God. Make sense? So don't be afraid to hop on at any point in the message and ask those questions. Uh, We'll do our best to answer as many of them as we can and touch on as many topics as we can while the series is running today though, we're going to dive into a real powerful topic. Had a lot of questions come in that would fit under the heading of this topic. And then we've had a couple of questions where people have just said, hey, I'd like to know an answer to how to know God's will for my life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And before the day is over, I'm going to give you a real practical and a real simple bulletproof way to know God's will for your life In any situation, in any circumstance, in anything that you face in life or scenarios, direction changes that you might be looking at, I want to equip you today to know for sure, bulletproof time after time, that you are stepping and moving in step with God's will for your life. So um, God's will for your life is kind of, that's one of those churchy phrases that kind of sounds abstract in a way. You know, kind of mystical. It's a God's will for your life. It's out there somewhere and hopefully we'll stumble upon it, you know. And and I don't I don't want it to have that image in your mind when you leave here today. God's will is very practical, it's very easy um, to understand and very easy to follow. Now I know if you're if you're in a season of life where you're struggling, trying to discern God's will for your life in any given scenario or what you're dealing with right now, what I just said frustrated the junk out of you because you're like, really? It's easy? How come I'm having such a freaking hard time figuring out what God wants me to do with this? You know, I get that. I've been there in my life too. Uh, but I don't want you to stay there and I don't want you to stay frustrated. As we walk through this, you'll see the puzzle pieces drop and hopefully it will help you understand a little bit better and equip you to be able to uh to move in step with God's will. It's important. It's important to be in God's will for your life. It's It's important. Man, outside of God's will for your life, you don't have the confidence. You don't have the peace. You don't have the foundation to stand on when the storms of life come. It's one thing to face a storm in life when you know you're in the middle of the will of God, but if you face a storm in life and you don't have that confidence to stand on, you don't have that peace to reassure you that regardless of what you're seeing, you're moving forward and what God has called you to do. Man, that that can be some very scary moments in life. So let me give you what would be my working definition for God's will for your life. God's will, his personal desire and plan for your life. Okay, so let's all agree on that from the get-go. If we're going to say God's will for your life, then we're talking about his personal desire and his plan for your life, what he would want to have happen with your life, who he wants to impact through your life, the ministry or the service that he's calling you to, your purpose on this earth as designed by him, his personal desire and plan for your life. And I know for some of you watching right now, um, or maybe even for some of us here in the house today, um, you, you might be asking the question, okay, does God really have a specific plan for my life? Does he really care that much about what's going on? Has he really given me a purpose? And there's a lot of scripture in the Bible to let us know, yeah, yeah, he does have a plan and a purpose for our life. And I'll walk you through some of that just to build a foundation for us to stand on today. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 is a great one. It's actually a classic scripture that gets touched on in the church a lot. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So it's really clear from reading this, God's got a plan not just for the person he was speaking to in Scripture, but for all of us. He has a plan for all of our lives. Psalm 32, verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I love this verse in Scripture because... It doesn't just deal with God's call in our life. He legitimately says, hey, I will instruct you and I will teach you. I will give you what you need so that you can go in the way that you should go. I'll I'll, I'll give you everything. I'm not going to leave you high and dry and say, go do this and not give you what you need to accomplish what I'm calling you to do. Not only does God have a plan for us, but he wants to equip us and give us everything that we need to accomplish his will and his plan for our lives. In Ephesians 2.10, is another great passage of scripture. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you can look through Scripture, and it's pretty evident God has a plan and a purpose for us to be on this earth, and it's to further his kingdom and bring glory to his name by doing one step at a time what he's called us to do. Isn't it exciting to know that Jesus didn't just die for us on a cross He didn't just set us free from our sins, but God said, I love you so much and I trust you enough. Here's what I'm going to do. I've got a specific plan and a purpose for your life, my will for your life that I am calling you to accomplish so that you can go out in my name and make an impact in this world for me. Man, that's exciting. He says, not only am I sending you out, I'm equipping you with everything that you need to be able to accomplish it. Most of us understand the concept of God's will for our lives. And if you look in the Bible, you can see it like in big concepts. And I want to give you like some big concept, will of God's for our life. Okay? Because there's just some big things. And then we're going to talk about the more specific things that it pertains to the details of our lives. But they all flow together. So I'm kind of putting puzzle pieces together this morning. And when we're done, all the pieces are going to come together. So if you feel confused at any point, don't worry. Don't worry. Hopefully by the end of it, we'll land on good ground where everybody will be on the same page with this thing. So all of us would agree that it's pretty obvious in Scripture that it's God's will for us to be believers. It's God's will for us to be a believer, okay? That's a no-brainer. So you can check that off. You know part of that's going to be God's will for your life. He wants you to be a believer. He wants you to have a relationship with His Son, Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus Bible says that, that it's God's will or his heart that none should perish but that all should have eternal life it's God's will for us all to be believers in a relationship with Jesus another thing that we could probably all agree on that's pretty evident in Scripture is that it's God's will for us to be obedient to his word it's God's will for us to be obedient to his word that he's given us y'all are really quiet this morning do we need some more coffee Let's practice real fast, and you guys at home, you can play along with us. Everybody go, amen, Pastor Josh. Amen, Pastor Josh. All right, now I know we're awake. We're going to have some fun today. That week, I know, you roll into Sunday with a busy week behind you. You drag a little bit. Y'all help me preach a little bit this morning, though, just for the people in the back. Just for the people in the back. We want Mark Griggs to get saved today, so help keep Mark engaged with the service. I'm having fun with you. I'm <laughs> um so we went over to, so the third thing, big picture, will of God for your life in Scripture that we see is it, it's God's will for us to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Very evident and clear to be submitted to the Spirit's leading in our life. So God's will for us to be believers, to have a relationship with Him, God's will for us to be obedient to His Word and stay in bounds on how He's directed us to live our life so that we don't drift off into danger land and get ourselves in trouble, Um, and we know that it's God's will for us to be submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not just submitted, but filled with the Holy Spirit in our lives. You look at that word filled. It's like not just an indwelling, but a saturation where he permeates every cell of our being Leading us and guiding us and speaking to us. It's a powerful word picture that's in the Greek when you look at it. Another part of being filled with the Holy Spirit is this. The word picture in the Greek is to be filled with is like wind going into the sail of a boat. To fill the sail to push it forward. And when we're submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit because we're filled with him in our lives... God will literally breathe into that cell and take us where he wants us to go with our lives as we continue to submit to him. Now, I know about you, but I've been in that boat and i tried to paddle that boat myself. And I have wore myself slapped out trying to paddle that boat where I thought I needed to go. I found out in life that it is a lot easier to let go and listen to the Spirit of God. Submit to Him and let Him whoosh, do all the heavy work and get me where I need to go. Been there? Yeah. But are, are there any stubborn people in the house like I have been in my life? You talk? Yeah. I I, I got to hold the reins. I got to do this on my own. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. And God saying, Yeah, you can do all that stuff, or you can let me do all the heavy lifting. And you operating, you're gifting, doing your part, and you'll go further with a lot more peace because I'm in control of the boat and you're not wearing yourself out. So those are big picture concepts and big picture, um, big, big picture concepts that shows us the will of God for our lives in a big way. Now, we're going to take those big things and we're going to break them down to another step because when we look at the will of God for our life, big picture is great. But people have questions about what is God's will for my life in this relationship that I'm trying to decide if I want to get into or not. I know God wants me to get saved. I know he wants me to listen to his word. I know I need to listen to the Holy Spirit, but I need God to tell me whether or not I can be with Mr. Looks Good in blue jeans or not. That's what I need God to tell me. I need God to speak to me and tell me whether or not it's his will for me to take this job. I need God to speak to me to let me know what the new direction for my life may or may not be, what my next step in ministry may or may not be. I need God to speak to me specifically, not in big concepts, but in a personal way. It's very important for us to understand, though, okay, in the beginning, there's a connection between the big concepts and hearing from God in a personal way and following His leading on a daily basis so that you know that you're in His will. Romans chapter 12. You'll go there this is a great passage of scripture when it comes to discerning the will of god for your life is it okay if i equip you a little bit today That's what we want to do today so romans 12 starting in verse 1 says therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in the view of god's mercy to offer everybody say offer to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everyone say renew. Okay, By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Isn't it good to know that God's will for your life is good and pleasing and perfect? That's the words that are used to describe God's will for your life. And for me, I want the good that God wants to give me. I want the pleasing stuff, and I want my life to please God because that works both ways. I want to know that I am in His perfect will for my life, tailored, designed for me and nobody else. His perfect will and calling on my life and His directions in my life for the decisions that I have to make on a daily and weekly basis. I love that it says his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's a whole lot better than confusing, frustrating, and disguised. Most people in life are confused and frustrated because they're chasing after something that really is their wanting and not God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. For their life, So I want to back up a second, just dissect this verse for a little bit. It says in the last part of verse 2, it says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's great news. Okay, this tells us we can know God's will for our life. It doesn't have to be a mystery. God doesn't take his will and his purpose for your life or his answers for the scenarios and, and decisions you have to face in life. He doesn't take them, put them in a box, run to some deserted island, dig a hole, bury it in the ground, and then come back and give you a rough-looking pirate map and says, here you go, matey, good luck to you, finding out me will. You know, he doesn't do that. He, he lets you know that you can know his will for your life. I find it interesting that when it talks about knowing the will of god for your life the words test and approve are used those are qualifiers sometimes god speaks to you and sometimes you have to test and approve and discern the direction that you need to go in your life so how do we do that that's a 20 dollars question How do we test and how do we approve and how do we get in a place where we can know God's good, pleasing, and and perfect will for our lives? Well, the answer to that or the qualifiers for that promise are listed earlier in this verse. And I've got them all highlighted for us to dive through. We can spend a lot of time on this verse today. We're going to glide over it. And I'll dissect it a little bit on the back end. So how do you put yourself in position to be able to test and approve what God's will is. Well, let's start at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, look at this, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Whew, that is a mouthful. To offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, to God as an act of worship. That's big. That's big. He's speaking to the culture of their day where the temple system was still in play. And they were still making sacrifices in the temple. They were sacrificing lambs and animals so that the shedding of their blood could cover temporarily the sin of a person's life. That was the old way. That was the old system. So what He's using here his language that they'll understand to paint a picture. Of, I want you, in the same way that we used to offer up an animal as a sacrifice and offering to God to please him, I want you to do the same thing with your life. Yeah, and he says, in view of the mercy that's been shown to you, he says, in light of what God has done for you, in light of what Jesus has done for your life, I want you to become a living sacrifice, like a walking dead, except for the kingdom of God, not some freaked out crazy zombie, all right? Uh, to, To be a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God as an act of worship. He's saying, I want you to give yourself in submission to God as an act of worship you turn over your life because now you're a living sacrifice you don't live anymore but Christ who dwells in you lives through you because your life is now hidden through what Christ Jesus has done what he's saying now I'm extrapolating just a little bit on this but this is what he's talking about I want you to see yourself as dead And the rest of your life is offered up as a living sacrifice and an act of worship to God. You know, worship takes place in more places than in a church when music is playing. Worship is your entire life. Worship is what you do and how you do it. Worship is what you give and how you give it to the kingdom of God. Worship is lifting up hands and praising God for what he's done in your life. But everything you do in life is an act of worship to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. So, the first step would be complete submission and identity in Jesus and living our life submitted as an act of worship to him. That sounds real churchy and complicated, doesn't it? We'll break it down in just a little bit. The second thing that it says that we need to do is this. In verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What does that mean, Pastor Josh? I'll tell you. Listen, it means do not comply with or give value to or align with the standards of this world. Okay, this world is cursed. This, cur- this world is on its way to destruction because of sin. This world and the systems of this world are set up in opposition to the things of God and the kingdom of God by default because it's lost in sin. That's why Jesus came to redeem us from a fallen world. Okay, so he says, listen, don't conform to the pattern of this world anymore because we all used to at one time. Remember that before you were saved? That testimony stuff that we give God praise for and that testimony stuff that we don't tell anybody about and we kind of sweep under the rug because if we told somebody how buckwild crazy we were before Jesus, everybody would look at us weird. You know, I, God, Jesus saved her, but I didn't know she was freaky like that before him. That's just crazy, man. I didn't know if he did all that stuff. I just... <laughs> Don't conform to the pattern of the world. In other words, don't live your life in alignment with the systems, priorities, and processes of the world because the world is going to say things are important that God is going to say is not important. Rather than that, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you've got to have a new way of thinking. You've got to have a new standard. You've got to have a new set of... Of rules and directions that you live your life by so complete submission to Jesus living as a sacrifice an act of worship changing our mindset and allowing ourselves to be renewed how are we renewed how is our mind renewed that sounds so mystic and so far away listen practically in the Bible we know that our mind is renewed by the Word of God and we're renewed in the presence of God Okay, so those come into play here. So if we put all those things into play, and we're allowing ourselves to be transformed, then then we'll have a clear standard and priority in life and closeness to God that will allow us to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Starting to make a little more sense? Still sounds real complicated, doesn't it? Let me break this down just a little bit further. All right, it starts with relationship. If you want to know God's will for your life, it starts with relationship with Jesus. Okay, listen to me. It is impossible to know the will of God for your life without a relationship with Jesus Christ. It just doesn't work. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus, not a concept of God, not a membership in a church, okay, not attending a church somewhat regularly every three or four weeks or sporadically every six to eight weeks, a real relationship with Jesus, not even attending church every week. I'm talking about a daily relationship with Jesus if you don't have stability and consistency in your relationship with Jesus, you are not going to be able to easily discern the will of God for your life, okay? Pastor Josh, that's, that's just so simple. I knew that, I could have told you that. Yeah, I get it. And I also know that the vast majority of Christians struggle with this. They struggle with consistency in their relationship with Jesus. Don't raise your hands, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you shut the door and just spent time in prayer, you and Jesus and nobody else? Don't answer the question. I hope there's good answers to this, by the way. When was the last time you just sat in the presence of God and let him wrap his arms around you and speak to you? When was the last time you could say you had a real strong relationship with Jesus that was consistent? Not in a ritualistic way, but real like living i can tell you i've got a strong relationship with my wife we don't have a regimented schedule of how long we hang out with okay well today we're going to spend uh 35 minutes together and i'm going to tell you what i need from you then i'm going to thank you for the stuff that you've done for me i'm going to read a little bit of the bible while we're hanging out and that's going to be our relationship you know but that's what we do with jesus sometimes you know a real relationship isn't confined to the closet of prayer. It goes with you everywhere you go, every moment of every day. It's like the idol of an engine. An engine's always going to go back to that idol that's set. Your relationship with God operates that way. You're always constantly, constantly. It's real, living, active. And it's an exciting thing. If you don't have that, you're going to have a hard time discerning the will of God. John 15, 5, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, I'm the whole ball game, baby. Okay? Outside of me, without me, you are not going to bear any spiritual fruit. You cannot do anything productive for the kingdom of God outside of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Why is relationship so important? I get the concept of that. Well, here's why. Here's a couple of reasons why. In relationship, relationship lets Jesus fulfill us instead of status, possessions, and people. A strong relationship with Jesus solves the problem of identity in our lives. A strong relationship with Jesus lets us know that our identity, our worth, and our value is found in him. Now, the world teaches something different. The world will teach you that your value is found in what you do or your status. The world's going to teach you that your value is found in what you possess. Because if you've got enough bling, then you must be important. The world's going to tell you that your value is going to come from who you have in your life your circle of friends, or people that you're romantically involved in, that's where the world is going to tell you that you get your value from. And the world is going to tell you that's what you base your decision-making process off of. Is it going to get me more status? Is it going to get me more stuff? Or is it going to get me more people in my circle that's going to make me important and fill my emotional needs and help me out? Jesus teaches something completely different. And he says, hey, I don't want you to conform to that way of thinking. I want you to step away from the world's processes and how they operate, and I want you to establish your identity in me. Because if you establish your identity in me, you're not going to reach for these other things, and these other things are not going to become a temptation for you in the decision-making processes that you're going to face in life. So that weeds out a whole lot of distraction to know that all I need in this world, all I need is my relationship with Jesus and my identity in Him. No, know, that in Christ, I'm a new creation. In Christ, that I am not just a new creation, but I'm an heir and joint heir with Christ. I'm walking, living, breathing royalty, a child or a daughter of the Most High God. That's who I am. Not what I do. Not what I do. That's not who I am. Who I am is who I am in Christ. Does that make sense? When you meet somebody new, people say, hey, what's your name? And what do you do? Because we're trained to associate somebody's identity with what they do for a living. And Jesus says, none of that's important. I am your identity. So a relationship with Jesus solidifies our identity. So we don't have to Go to these other places, status, possession, or people, to get our identity defined. And that's where all the pressure comes from. I mean, think about it. I need to know God's will for my life. I need to know God's will for my life. Why? Because I need to know whether or not I need to date this person or marry this person or I need to. And the pressure is on. Why is the pressure on? Because we feel like if we can't get that, then we lose a part of our identity. We feel pressured to have somebody or something because all of our friends are married already and got kids. And here I am, a person of a certain age, and... I'm not married and I don't have kids. What's wrong with me? Who says anything's wrong with you? Maybe it's not God's will or plan for your life to have that right now. Maybe it's not his will or plan for any of those people to have some of that stuff in their life. Maybe they've chosen to open up a can of trouble in their life that you might not want any part of right now because you don't know what God's calling you to do in the next season of your life. And children and a husband or a wife might weigh you down and become a huge hindrance to what he wants you to do in this season when it would be perfectly okay in the next season that he's bringing you into. So we compare. Comparison gets us in trouble when it comes to discerning God's will for our lives. Well, why do you want the truck? Well, Billy got a truck. I need to know if it's God's will for me. No, you don't. It's your identity is in Christ. you understand what I'm saying? Not in this stuff and not in comparing yourself to what other people have. When, you have. when you have that foundation of who you are in Christ and he fulfills you, then he's free to bring things into your life and his timing as you follow his leading and his perfect plan. And you'll know. You'll know. Because it's not going to be you freaking out, wishing that you had it. It's going to be him birthing a desire in you. And you'll have peace that will earmark the fact that it's a good decision. Okay? Amen? All right. Here's the other thing in relationships. Relationship allows us to hear God clearly. I know. Duh. (laughs) Duh. But a solid relationship with Jesus will allow you to hear him clearly. You know what the average screen time for a person in America is right now? Just looking at your phone or your tablets or TVs, YouTube stuff, social media stuff, watching TV shows or, or movies. You know what the average is right now? Well, I looked it up and I got two different answers. It's between six and a half to seven and a half hours a day. That's a lot of noise. It's a lot of distraction. A lot of distraction you know if I get in my car and I take off driving because I love going on road trips any road trippers in the house you guys at home I love going on road trips to me I love adventure I love going to places I've never been before and seeing stuff I've never seen before and I love road tripping my way there but if I get in my car and I start driving and I go old school and I listen to the radio station instead of what's on Spotify or on my uh, Apple music or you know or Amazon Prime music Um, I'm listening to the radio station, I'm listening to J93, or what's the other one? It's 104.7, yeah, the fish, whatever it is. So um, I'm listening to those and I take off and I go west towards Alabama. Before I get to the state line, what's gonna happen to that radio signal? Oh, it's gonna start to break up a little bit, isn't it? You're gonna start to get the static. I hate the static. I was driving with a person one time and we were just in a dead zone and it was static on the channel and he was just driving and he let it go and I'm like, this is driving me nuts. Let's pick a different station. I don't want to listen to the static, you know? So you listen to static. At first it starts a little bit and then it gets a little more intense the further away you get from the signal. you following me? The further we are from the signal, the less clarity there's going to be in what we hear. Okay? This is why the depth and intimacy of your relationship with Jesus is key to understanding his will for your life. Because the closer you are to him, the clearer the signal becomes. Problem is, we've got a lot of noise and distraction and static in our lives. Most people live their lives like this right here. Where they can just barely hear the voice of God and barely hear the static. And the static is just enough to keep them confused and keep them from clearly hearing what God wants in their life. Or they're a step further, and all they hear is static. And then when they hit a trouble, they freak out, and they try to get back to the signal to figure it out, and they're not always able to get there. Stay close to the signal source because there's a lot of distractions and a lot of noise in your life. Josh? You in here why don't you help me out with this this morning i'm going to give you an illustration and show you how this works in real life because i don't think we realize sometimes how much noise we really have in our lives when you talk about children you talk about your job you talk about uh paying bills and the pressure of all the stuff we're responsible for in life and then dealing with that crazy relative that always wants more time than they should get the troubled people at work, trouble troubled people at life, and many of us spread ourselves too thin in our schedules, and we haven't learned yet to stop and rest. Amen. To rest in our lives. To put a pause on the craziness and just rest and let our bodies recoup and heal. Let ourselves be able to take a breath and have time to draw close to Jesus. Most of our lives sound like this i'm going to be the voice of jesus or the voice of god i know i'm not god so don't say pastors on an ego trip i'm not josh is going to be the noise and distraction in life and i'm going to show you how this works so i'm god and i'm going to be giving you a specific plan for what you want i want you to do so you've got a new job opportunity and you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? But you've got so much noise going on in your life. You could probably hear me okay talking like this, but tell me that beat in the background isn't distracting. Some of you, it's making you want to go, you know, just clap a little bit or move just a little bit start stomping that feet. I get it, I get it. Uh, beat, man, that's a good beat right there. So God's trying to talk, and it starts, the noise just drowns out what God's trying to say. And you can hear, but you can't hear that well because of the noise of the world. And for most of us, the noise of the world really sounds a whole lot more like this. It just goes crazy. God's trying to talk, and all you can hear is the crazy stuff. And what gets you in trouble, and you guys watching online, you might be able to hear me right now, is that when God speaks in that still, small voice and he wants to whisper to your life. It gets drowned out by all the stuff here. You can't hear me at all. Some of y'all are pointing to your ear. can't hear me. Didn't he do a great job? Let's give Josh a hand. Thank you so much, bro. That's what our lives look like, though, if we're not careful. It's full of noise, and we've got too much going on, and we cannot hear and discern the voice of God. Listen, I'm giving you really practical, simple stuff. Listen, because we serve a very practical and simple God. He made it easy for us to hear his voice and discern his will, but you have got to learn to cut the noise out of your life and cultivate that relationship with Jesus if you ever want to hear him speak to you. Okay, that just makes sense. If you want to talk to somebody, it helps to be in the same room with them. It really does. And that's how it works in your walk with God. So the relationship with God, it solves the identity problem so that we're not looking for the wrong thing to fulfill us. That cuts out temptation so that we're just looking to Jesus to fulfill us. And it cultivates the ability for us to be able to hear the voice of the Lord clearer. Make sense? Okay. Second thing is this. Measure it with God's word. Measure it with God's word so you have a strong relationship with Jesus and you measure things in life with the Word of God. I got news for you. The Word of God is incredibly important to discerning the will of God for your life. It acts as a filter to remove a lot of the counterfeits and distractions because it tells you what to look for. Psalm one nineteen one oh five. 105, it reads like this. It says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It shows you the way to go. Now, here's why the Word of God helps. God is not schizophrenic. Okay? He will not lead you to disobey His Word. For many of the issues that we're going to face in life, God already tells you what His will is on the matter in His Word. Some things you just don't have to pray about because the Word of God acts as a filter to take out those counterfeits and the lies of the enemy. And the substitutes that the world tries to put in there is the temptation to lead you out of the word of God so, or the will of God. So when you think about the word of God, think about a huge filter that's catching all of the junk that doesn't need to get through and into your spirit. The word of God helps you identify it. The word of God renews your mind. The word of God transforms the way that you think and lets you see things from a spiritual perspective, okay? That's what the Word of God does. God's not schizophrenic. Okay, so listen. In relationships, let me give you a no-brainer. Just throw out some scenarios, okay? Do I need to date this person or not? Question, is he or she a Christian? If the answer is no, then that's your answer. If they're not a believer... You don't need to pursue a relationship with them. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to seek the face of God. You don't have to pray and fast because God's word, what does God's word say? It says not to be unequally yoked with non-believers. What else does the word of God say? It says bad company corrupts what? Good character. Okay? You can look at the Bible and it speaks for itself. You know that if I pursue a relationship with somebody that is not in love with Jesus, and here's what we always think. Well, I can get them to convert. I can get them to come to church with me. So what, you're just some kind of booty prostitute or male gigolo that's out there to try to attract people into the, the house of God? That's what we're doing? That's how you're working it? I'm going to use my stuff to get them in church. I don't think it works that way. You know, hate to break your heart. So so no, the answer is no. You see that from the word of God. So that tells you what God's will is on the matter. Wait. Maybe they'll fall in love with Jesus. Maybe they'll get their feet on a firm foundation in a different season. And maybe in that season, it might be okay. But if they don't love Jesus, I'm just telling you, save yourself the heartache. Save yourself the disappointment. Save yourself the trouble that's gonna come in your walk with God and let no be no because that's the answer, okay? Um, what if sex is on the table in the relationship and you guys aren't married, what does the Word of God say? It says no. It says no. That's the biggest no-brainer. If it says no, then the answer is no. You don't have to pray about whether or not to do that. God's will has been made clear in His Word. It's no. Do I need to leave the church to go shopping at other churches to find somebody? No. No. It's not what God's Word says to do, okay? So you let the Word of God filter a lot of those decisions for you. A lot of this stuff doesn't have to be that complicated, okay? It doesn't have to be that Do I need to take the job? Well, pray about it. Is it going to take you out of church on Sundays? Then probably no, because I find it hard to believe that it's going to be God's will to take you out of His house when His Word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself as some are in the habit of doing and have fallen away from the faith. Can't get away from Hebrews 10. So the word of God will let you know, do I need to take this job? Well, what's attractive about it? It gives me an extra $40,000 a year. That's a big pay bump. How many of y'all would love to have an extra forty dollars a year? <laughs> man, I'd have some fun with an extra forty dollars a year. I'm just, I just got lost in dreamland right there, man. That's, just, that's a lot of fun that could be had. But ask yourself the question what's the price tag on that 40 grand? Okay? How many extra hours are you going to work? Are you going to have to travel? How long are you going to have to be gone? So, if it's going to cost you time with your family, is it God's will for you to take a job that's going to make your spouse a single parent? Pray on that. Probably not. Probably not. God's Word acts as a filter to help us discern the easy decisions that come up in life. Once you put them in light of the Word of God, a lot of this stuff becomes easy when it becomes the filter. Um, man, can, can we dabble a little bit? All right, let's dabble a little bit. Um, how about um, switching churches? Well, I'm just praying about it. I hear people, look, every pastor has heard this sentence come out of, a person's mouth at one point. I believe that God is leading me to go to another church, and sometimes he does, okay? Um, pattern in scripture, people leaving church and going to another church, you see more leadership transfer from church to church than you do membership transfer from church to church in the Bible. Um, that doesn't mean that it's unfounded, but I can tell you this. If you're leaving the church, God starts to speak, and you're leaving a church because you you've got some kind of offense with somebody in that church God's not telling you to leave the church i tell you what God's telling you to do what his word says to do and that is go to that person have a conversation with them and work it out to accomplish unity in the spirit and the bond of peace in the body of believers to go to your brother Forgive them after you talk it out and you work out the situation. You don't avoid the situation because it's uncomfortable and do what's emotionally easy and go out the door of the church and then stamp God's name on it. God's name is nowhere near it. See, the word of God tells us. And I don't care how many times you tell me, God led me to do this. This is the will of God for my life. We believe Jesus is leading us to do this. He is not schizophrenic and he is not going to tell you to do something that contradicts his word. Not now, not then, not ever. Okay, so a lot of times the answer is is pretty pretty obvious. So relationship and the Word of God. Is this making sense so far? Man, this is about as practical as it gets, but I don't want to throw something at you this deep. Okay, I've heard deep. Deep never did anything for me in life. I don't want to throw something at you that sounds just intelligent or smart either because intelligent and smart really... Whoever was saying this stuff, they used big words and big concepts, and it sounded awesome, but I had no idea what they were talking about. Didn't do anything. Y'all been there before? I want to give you something that's simple and practical and that works That's bulletproof. And I'm telling you this. If you will focus on your relationship with Jesus and you will get into the Word of God and let it act as a filter for your life, you are going to get into a place where you can easily discern the will of God for your life. Okay? last thing I want to give you is this focus on now instead of then focus on now instead of then so many times we put pressure on ourselves when we're we're talking about God's will for our our life our, our total existence on this planet it's so big and there's so much unknown and God has a plan for all of that but it's better to focus on now instead of then and here's why because if you get now right then will take care of itself. And it's incredibly important to understand this because God's will for your life sometimes is not going to make sense to this thing right here. He's going to take you all over the map. And he might tell you something that he wants you to do, and you're thinking, "Uh, my next step is going to be to, to, to move closer to his call on my life in ministry or the business that he put into my heart to launch and, and all of this stuff, or God told me how many children I'm going to have, and he showed me their faces, and I've got this promise. It's going to be great. So my next step is to get married, so I'm going to move right here. But many times God will say, no, you're not going to go right there. Let's go back here because I need to do some work on you and prepare you because I'm more concerned about what I do in you than what I do through you. And he's going to want to grow you up to prepare you for the later seasons of his will for your life. And you think God's going to move A, B, C, and D, and God doesn't do that at all. Man, he'll go from A to D to W to Z, back down to Q, maybe back to A again, over to uh, X. And he might stay on X for a while, and then you move back over to B. And if you're focused on big picture instead of the next step, It'll confuse you and it'll frustrate you. So focus on now instead of then. Because here's what I promise you. If you will focus on relationship, obedience, and staying in the process that God has you in. okay? uh, Relationship, obedience, and process. That's what this all comes down to. If you have a strong relationship with Jesus, your identity is in him. You're obedient to the word of God. And you stay in this process and don't get frustrated because you're focused on now instead of then. You'll put yourself in a place where your own desires are not conflicting against God's voice and how he's leading you. You're not gonna take the reins of your life back and go off into a place that God never intended for you to go. Okay, you're gonna stay content in him, avoiding the distractions of the enemy. And because you're content in him, you're gonna be content right now where you are. You're going to trust Him to work the rest of it out in His timing as you move one step at a time. One day at a time as He leads and directs you. I'm going to make it as simple as I possibly can. You ready? If you want to know that you're in God's will for your life, if the relationship's right, if the business move is right, I'm going to tell you how to do it. Simple and practical. Okay, God's will for your life is right now. So if I wake up today and I spend time with Jesus and I read his word and I allow those things to work in me, to reaffirm my identity, to help the renewing of my mind so that I'm not conforming to the pattern of this world and that stuff's not distracting me, but I'm reinforcing those things in my life on a daily basis. If I have a relationship with him, he's going to speak to me that day and lead and guide me that day. Well, how does he do that? Listen, when you know, you know. When God speaks to you, you know. Sometimes it's a whisper and a tug in your heart. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a loud blow horn. Well, when he speaks, you know. You just have to be sensitive enough to hear it. Okay, so if you do that on a daily basis, by staying God's will today, In relationship, in obedience, submitted to Him today. Then, when I wake up tomorrow, I start tomorrow in God's will for my life. Start the whole process over again. Relationship with Jesus, reaffirming my identity in the Word of God, transforming and renewing my mind so that I move away from the pattern of this world. And I use the Word of God as a filter to cut out the distractions and the temptations. And when choices present themselves that day, i land on the same footing that I did the day before. And I spend that day in the presence of God and in the will of God, because God's will for my life is right now. And when I go to sleep that night, and i wake up the next day, I'll wake up the next day in God's will for my life, and it starts all over. God's will for your life. It's not some big cosmic thing. God's will for your life is revealed one step at a time, one moment at a time, one day at a time, out of a relationship with Him. And that's as simple an explanation as I can come up with. How do you know God's will for your life? A daily relationship with Him. Time in His word, submitted to the Spirit's leader. And you'll know when He speaks, because you're close to the signal source. Does that make sense? That's not overly complicated, is it? That's how you will know the answer to the questions when the questions come up. Okay, and here's the deal. If you don't get an answer when you pray on something, you don't act on something. You wait. God answers in three ways. He says yes, He says no, and He says wait. Sometimes the waiting's the most difficult because in the waiting, that's when our motives are tested. the waiting that's when we find out whether or not our desires have conformed to him or if we're still stuck in the pattern of this world trying to get our identity and value from something else okay yes no and wait so God's will for your life is when it's right now it's right now it's right now that's how he set it up and it's unavoidable it's inescapable question is one based on that Do you know God's will for your life? I can tell you this, if you don't have a relationship with him and you're not in his word, you're probably pretty confused right now. good news is we can change all of that. Bow your heads and close your eyes.